today the book of Revelation, the missing dimension in the church of Sardis. Let's see how it goes. But it's unlikely that we will complete this today. We may need um, two sessions for this one. This and next one, God willing. It's unlikely that we are going to finish this today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to bless your name once again. It's your words that came from heaven that convert souls and give wisdom and teaches us your ways and washes the church and prepare the church to meet our beloved Jesus Christ. With the assistance, the leading, the guiding, the direction, the inspiration of the eternal, holy, and good spirit of God. We commit our hearts to you. Lead us, Lord, we pray. And bless our hearts with your words. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Revelation, the missing dimension in the church of Sardis. We continue the teaching in our series of the book of Revelation, looking at the missing dimension in each one of the seven churches in Asia Minor who received a message from the Lord. I have already mentioned the fact that there were two schools of interpretation of the meaning of each one of those churches. Two schools of thought or interpretation. The first one, not in order, is called historicist view. Historicist view. You see, the reason I'm repeating these things all the time, I don't want to give, move to the next thing. I know. I heard someone saying, I never repeat a teaching. I never repeat what I've said already. No, I'm at the opposite spectrum. I can repeat 10,000 times the same thing every day. It's like saying, I ate bread when I was 10. I will no longer eat bread again. What well, is fair to say that there are varieties of bread. Now we even have no sugar, no added sugar bread. Some people like cakes. It's a form of bread. So saying I'm not going to eat any cake, you know, you're harming yourself. <laughs> I can say the same thing all the time. This is Peter's approach. He said, though you know these things, I choose to remind you the same thing. We want new things too much. Is the spirit of the age as well. New thing, new thing. And the preachers are being put under intense pressure because they need to bring new things. Do you know what new thing means? what is happening in the world, conspiracy things. That's what they call new thing. So you come to the, you know, this is what is happening in the world. I say, yeah, tomorrow, this is what, what, BBC does that better than us. I don't need to waste my time on that. I can give evidence, but only to substantiate what I'm saying from the Bible. Only to show that the Bible had already prophesied and predicted these things. Full stop. 
Do you know that some people invest too much in conspiracy things than the Bible itself? They feel great about it. Some begin to call that prophetic ministry. Some call uh, um, ministry of words. Ministry of denunciation. Now, stick to the Bible. Okay, you seem puzzled. To denounce. Which is not necessary to expose. You speak better English than me, you know the difference. Even in the vocabulary there is a difference. Exposing things and wasting your time advertising, casting fear in people's heart, they are two different things. You know, people come to the church, they go back home depressed because of what they heard. That's not in the Bible. In the Bible, we have all this stuff. I remember that lady, uh, um, the one who gave me the name, the, the preacher to the unsophisticated, that lady, Hazel, I think she was called. She said to me, oh, you know, I feel scared to read Revelation. These people being with eyes all over the place, it makes me scared. I say, well, I have a different experience. I see hope in it. It only means that God can bring into existence the things that are outside your imagination. You cannot believe a being with eyes everywhere. God can. He created us. That's all it means. In heaven, you expect in heaven to see things like here, this kind of heat? No. Everything is perfect in heaven. We will see things that are not rise to the heart of man. That's what it is. Remember that person where I wish I could sit next to Jesus. The presence of Jesus is everywhere in heaven. It's a different reality altogether. People come to the church rather than going back home, strengthened, encouraged for the rest. They, uh, 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 because uh, the next vaccine is coming. Oh, yeah. Biden is going to win again. Oh. So, Historicist view is the one that believes that all these seven letters were addressed to individual actual churches with application to every church throughout history. So historicist view teaches that those churches were real churches, and it's true, you can go and visit the ruins, they are there, the real churches in modern Turkey now, they are there. So they believe that Letters were written to those church with a particular message for them, but the letters and the message also have application in every church. The other view is called futurist view. Futurist view. So, historicist, futurist. In the futurist view, they believe that these letters were addressed to individual actual churches. But they believe that those churches represent the state of the church throughout history. 
For instance, some believe that the church of Thyatira was a representation of the Roman Catholic Church because the church of mixture. And it's also believed that the church of Laodicea represents the end time apostate church. That's why it's in that seventh position. Because when the church gets there, it becomes all about money and riches now. And Lord say, you are naked, blind, wretched. Come to me. And I will give you eyes salve. And I will give you clothes because you are naked. And there be, so I see uh, something biblical in both views. And I'm quite comfortable with that. And I don't take side or positions. Because I see um, some value in both of them. So today, we are looking at the church of Sardis. Sardes in French. First reading, we'll do three readings. The first one is in Revelation chapter 3, only six verses, which leaves us flexibility to read more throughout the teaching. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis writes, This thing says he who has the seven spirit of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Verse 4. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who are near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, for this session here, I will leave out the difficult passage uh, intentionally. God willing, we will come back to those ones. The reason for that is, I would like to set the context. I found that when it comes to this church, God is so wise. God is so wise. Because you always ask Number one, why were all those church concentrated in one part of the world?
why did God send that message only to that part of the world? But I know you are Bible readers. You begin to see more or less the answer. Was in Pergamos, the devil has his throne there. In Tyatara, you had people who have gone into the depth of the devil things. In here, you have 50 kilometers south of, that, of, of Sardis, between Sardis and Ephesus. Sorry, I'm doing this because I'm looking at my map in, in my spirit. And you come down what? There is the big temple of Diana, Artemis. So you can see the widespread paganism in that place. And there were believers in Jesus Christ in that place. You can begin to see the concentration, the focus of the Lord in that part of the world. I know. Some of you may say, yeah, it's not very terrible. It's nothing any near Babylon. Babylon is the capital. Shinar is the capital. I know. I've read that. I know Akkad. I know Nineveh. I know those cities. I know them. I know that where the entrance to hell was. I know that. But it's been revealed that the level of paganism in this part of the world is nothing any near than Babylon. It's far, far, far darker than Babylon. Remember, in Pergamos or Pergamum, the throne that was there was a transportation from the one it came from Babylon. So he's changing. Those things are changing. So at some point in time, the capital of the enemy does change. It's not the building. No. It's the content that is in the building that makes the temple. I struggle to say, it took me time to understand. What's the difference between the temple of Diana, as explained in uh, Act 19, and the temple of Artemis? I was confused. I say, why? One says the temple of Artemis was in Sardis, and the temple of Diana was in Ephesus. I don't understand. Were they two different temples? But it can't be. Because in Act 19, it says that the whole Asia worshipped Diana. So it must be only one place. You cannot have those places twice. Just like in Israel, you don't have two temples. You have one after the other. So is that. And then I found out that it's the same. It's the same. It's just the proximity of those cities. It's the same. Artemis was a local goddess in that part. And her influence spread across the whole Asia and the world. The whole world. 
to command the whole and shape the whole Greek thinking. Therefore, the whole West. How did I even get into all that? Let's come back to my notes. You will recognize that I've said quite a lot of it already, but let's see. Sardis was an ancient city in Greeks. It is located in the western part of what is now known in Turkey as the city of Izmir. I-Z-M-I-R. If you visit that, you are in Sardis. Dear friends, if you invest here, you know, you think Christianity is for Europeans, you know, they know better, he started to hear. It's not. And you get offended by what is happening in other parts where this thing started. And you think we know everything here, you know, everything. No! In last October or August, we visited, what's that city again? Yes, you see, they call it Thessaloniki. Yeah, but what's that city where Lydia lived? Uh, Philippi, Philippi, thank you, Philippi. It's now called Kavala. So if you go there, you go to Kavala, is the ancient city of Philippi. If you visit those things, you feel something in your heart. When you visit the prison where Paul was, I stood there with two other fellow Christians from America and I exhorted them. And we went to the place where the first European Lydia was baptized there. And we sang hymns together. And I stood where Paul was imprisoned. Now, now, even now, Ketia, you can't live there. Mosquitoes all, all over the place flies everywhere even in daytime and I look at the place Paul was in that context and from there he was writing encouraging you and me and Timothy from that place you see those places when Paul say I'm always amongst danger etc you don't see what it means in Acts go to Amphibolis Amphipolis and see what is there. There was no Uber and minicab. They walk on foot. That place is a place where there are lions. In fact, you find a monument of a lion there because lions were there. That's why they say most of the time amongst wild beasts. It's not just demons. It's actual beasts. They had to pass on foot. You come to Thessalonica, you go to those places, and then you have to go back to go to Berea, which is, which is far than that. I can explain you. Let's, I will prepare a PowerPoint for you for one day. So, we come to the West and we're just playing you know, with the gospel as if we own it, as if we, 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 we wrote it first. We, no! This place took place in places chosen by God. 
And we have to be humble to recognize that we've been grafted in. Just like the replacement theology. You know, the places written in the Bible in Israel, they are not fictions. The people here, they are not... Some people, you know what? The Jews don't believe in Christ. All the disciples were Jewish. The Holy Supper is a continuation of something they did before. The Passover and Christ has become our Passover now. There was an old covenant and there is a new covenant. There is a progression. You remove Israel's posting. We Londoners, we French people, we know nothing. Don't be offended. By nothing I mean... We just find a way of departing from the origins of things. The church has replaced Israel. Says who? And you find encyclopedias and a book written by intelligent people taught in seminaries, in universities. That's not what the Bible says. That is also part of professing to be wise. We have become fools. By trying to disconnect. You see, that was the problem with the Calvin et al. That was the mistake. To try and disconnect the church from its roots. And we got what we have today. It's all about bookish knowledge now. Because we've departed. People, don't, people are even offended when you speak about the Holy Spirit. People are offended. People think the Holy Spirit is magic and everybody's coming with his, his little false, false doctrine here and there. There is no church without the Holy Spirit. Simple truth. And believers have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, we are not Christians. Well, we can. We can. Many years ago, I heard about Something called nominal Christian. Some people are quite happy with that. But I heard something more devastating recently. So because nominal Christianity is on a personal level, I heard something more terrible. It's called cultural Christianity. Oh, that one will form the basis for the one world church for the Antichrist. It's called cultural Christianity. I'm okay. I've already, I've already been Christian. When did you become a Christian? When did you become Christian? Oh, I was born in a Pentecostal family. When did you become I was born in the Baptist church. I None of that qualifies you to be a Christian. One must come on God's terms, personally, humble before God, ask for forgiveness, repent, and receive Christ in your life. Then, John the Baptist said, Show by your deeds that your life has changed. Evidence of a changed life. Not because we are sympathetic. You know, Jesus Christ is a nice moral teacher. You know, his name has a lot of prestige. Well, he was white. He's a European. So, you know, and the African come with the argument. We welcome him. You know, he was in Egypt. And that one. You, all those things do not qualify anybody to be a Christian. That's tough, but that's the reality. I've had people telling me, I've all, I said, when did you become, I've always, you know, I was, I was born in a Mennonite mission. Mennonite mission? Then what? 
the Bible is not fiction. Some critics of the Bible say they call it your magic book. The Bible is not magic. It's the In fact, the Bible is against magic. Is the word of God? Do you know why people hate Israel? If there is no Israel, then there is no God. Look at Israel. Where did the name come from? The name Israel. Where did it come from? Did you say Jacob? No, God. From now, you will not be called Jacob, but Israel. He came from heaven. Where did the Bible come from? I know, I've read as well. Gutenberg did the first printer. Yeah, 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 I know that, I know. Yeah, Gutenberg in, in, in Germany, yes. He did the printer, but he did not invent the Bible. The word of God came on this earth when God descended on the mountain and when God was speaking, people were terrified. Even animals could not approach the mountain. The blackness, there was thundering. The word of God has come on earth. The Bible says the writing was the writing of God. The finger of God wrote. He wrote on the tablet. Where do you think the script on the tablet came from? The finger of God wrote that. He gave. And then he began to expound in it. And he tells Moses, this is what it means. Write down. Write down. He's telling the prophet, write down. The Bible says, no prophecy has come by the will of man. His holy man, as they were being moved by the Holy Spirit, they wrote to us. Not cunningly devised fable. We should not play with the Bible. No. The Bible came from God himself. The prophets in the Bible were very respectable and serious people. Very serious people. And they wrote the Bible to us. Praise God today. Each one of you here, you have at least, I guess, maybe 50 versions of the Bible on your device. We have them everywhere. Praise God. The Bible is everywhere. If you forget this, you have on your mobile phone, you have everywhere the Bible is there. We have ministries who are introducing in Muslim countries, in USB keys, in music CD, in everywhere the Word of God. Available. Because God wants people to have access. The people who sat in the darkness have seen light. He sent his word and healed the disease. The word of God. People are converted. Prostitutes become respectable. Ladies. Criminals like Nicky Cruz. They become pastors. Paul, haters of God. They become first class evangelists for God. That's what the gospel does. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. That's not the whole story. Former things have passed away. Everything has become new. Evidence. You know, subscribing to an idea, to Jesus' teaching, loving him because he's nice, you know, he's pitiable on the cross, you know, they paint him with nice face, Jesus is jolly. Is a... No. Salvation is a serious thing. You come to Christ with clear evidence. Because it is the working of God. You can't change yourself. 
If you try, you will depress every day. It's a 360 degree change. No, not 360. Yeah, the opposite. Okay, thank you. Thank you, my geometry. Okay. You are listening, I was joking. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That kind of change, it's not a change of few elements in your life. No. It's living the life of Christ in you, then fighting the good fight of faith, which means you are on this earth with everything that this world offers and your flesh and the devil. You're not in heaven. You're living here. It's been said, have your heart in heaven and your feet on earth. You do need to go to work. But in doing that, there are a lot of temptations, a lot of uh, snares and traps, and you need God. And sometimes we disobey God, which is not good, and we come back and we repent. But when we see Jesus Christ, we are made in his likeness completely, then bye-bye sins. Finish. No more struggle. Again, how did we get there? Where are we? You see, when the Lord wants this church, and he say, if you don't watch, I will come like a thief in the night. There were better places to understand what the Lord was talking about. It was a city so rich. And where there is a lot of wealth, what do you have? Gangs and criminals. Life in that city was terrible because of thieves and criminals. So when the Lord is giving them this illustration, they understand how a thief comes. He doesn't come with an ambulance sounding the wah, wah, no. He doesn't call you to say, excuse me, make sure that you leave your padlock open, I'm coming tonight. No. He comes prepared with everything to break whatever fortress you have because he's interested in what is inside. So Christ is saying, be watchful, otherwise you will be overtaken. You will not know. You don't know when the thief comes. Does that apply to the believers as well? Maybe if we are slumbering. But if we are awake, there is an encouragement. We are not of those who walk in the, as in the night to be overtaken. No. If we listen, we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, then we are being prepared every day to wait for the Lord coming every day. We will not be overtaken. In fact, the disciples say, believe that some of them will not die in their time, that Christ will find them alive. They say, we who are alive, that's what Paul said. We will not go and leave behind those who have fallen. No. The trumpet will sound, we who are alive together with those who will come back of sin. You see, we who are alive. So they believe every day, maybe today, maybe today, maybe today. And that commanded the daily life. For he who has that hope in him purifies himself, the Bible says. Well, we try to push it hard because remember that story of that young boy in a, uh, uh, 
come with his parents. He was, I think it was a Christmas time, you know. People like coming to the church. They come to the church at Christmas time. And, and the teacher was saying the kind of things I'm talking now. And uh, they noticed that the young boy becomes very, very sad. And the pastor was very concerned about that. He said, you don't like when I talk about Jesus coming? coming? He said to the pastor, he said, no, I thought you meant now. Because tomorrow is Boxing Day. So we make projects and we say, Lord, if you can, well, that's a baby, that's a child, but there was an adult who was about to get married and had the same reaction. The marriage was the next day and the pastor was saying what I'm saying now. He said, Lord, no, 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 wait, just one day marriage. Then you can come. If we know, we understand the value of the coming of Jesus Christ and what that means everything else is behind. Nothing else. But guess what? This is uh, can be a bit sad or an encouragement to others. Do you know what happened between Elijah and Elisha? Those names can be a bit confusing in English, but uh, the one who was taken is Elijah. And the one who stayed was Elisha. Okay, Elijah, Elisha, okay. Do you know what happened when the other one was taken? And what he was saying? Chariots. Chariots. It's not a sentimental operation. No. It's sudden. Gone. In a twinkling of an eye. Those who love you, those you love, if they don't have Christ, there's no time. There's no goodbye. Elijah was walking with Elijah. They were walking. They were walking. They were walking. Chariot. Gone. 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 That day is coming. If you're playing with the Christian faith, I'm urging you today to stop that. Very quickly, to make peace with God, to repent, to be awake, and continue running with God. Well, when you first became a Christian, you were very active in the Lord. You never missed prayer meeting. You were fasting. You never missed the Bible study. There is a, a, a saying in French, I don't know in English what he says. He says, le coeur fait marcher les jambes. If you love someone, you work. Ask the people who are getting engaged. There's no distance to find their wives. Yorkshire, I think. Yorkshire, somewhere. very far. Somerset. Yeah? John, I don't know how many times you went there because of love. If you love Christ, you look for him. There's no distance. There's no tightness. There's no weather. Those who love Christ pray together. They strengthen together. They strengthen together. They strengthen together every day. Because they are waiting for Christ to come back. There's no excuse. If you love Christ, nothing will hold you back. But that's what happened with this church here. 
in verse 3, they are asked to remember how they received and heard. Remember how you received Christ. Remember the love and the perseverance of those who brought you to Christ. Remember. Remember. Remember where you were not a Christian, the way you were looking at Christians and despising them. Remember the love they showed to you and the perseverance they showed to you. Remember. Now you are sitting comfortable. It's finished. It's their problem. The Lord knows that I'm saved. It's the Lord who says you need to persevere in prayer. It's not easy and it's never meant to be easy. That's why the Lord say, I'm teaching this so that you know that you should always pray. The Son of God himself prayed. I remember an old man who used to come when we were very young and uh, he will come. Actually, when we saw him, we ran away because he had a bunch of uh, leaflets. It was called Biento. Biento. Soon. And we call young people. We were so bored. You know, we're playing football. And we'll distribute to everybody. He was actually my uncle. When I became a Christian, I said, ah, I must meet that man before he dies. Because I want to know, and I always want to know, people's secrets. What keeps people going with God? I like knowing that. And that day I was traveling from Congo to Burundi, going back to university, and I saw him. I said to him, Uncle Jean, Uncle John, what has kept you going for all these years? He said to me, do you have a piece of paper? I said, yes, I have an envelope. I took my envelope on the back of the envelope. He wrote something. No, on a piece of paper and then put in an envelope. And he says to me, I can't say much because you're going to the airport now. You're going to miss your flights. This envelope I'm giving you only open when you are in the plane. In the air, there. I say, yes, I'm going to have his secrets so that I can be a good Christian. When I open, this is what he wrote. He said, the strength of a crocodile is in water. Jesus Christ himself being the son of God spent time praying. Full stop. That's what he wrote to me. That was his secret. Dave Hunt, whom many of you know, when Ruth, his wife, died, it was revealed that she had one song. One. She sang every morning. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trial here. Trusting in my father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. And she draws strength at every morning in that song. I say, okay, I understand. Friends, young people in particular, look around, approach the elderly, approach Christian, ask them how they've done it. Don't come up with your own fabrication. It's not going to work. Approach and ask how to do this. I'm struggling on this. How can, don't just fabricate your own model. It's not going to work. We're entering other people's 
work, labor, is important. We have the testimony in the Bible. We have different gifts approach people. We are members of one another. When you see the elderly here, clapping their hands and praising them, ask yourself, why are they doing that? When younger people cannot even sing. But you see, great ladies, the elderly, clapping and singing to God, and a small 14 years old boy or girl is sitting watching us in the cinema. That's, I don't understand. Ask yourself, look at this elderly, look at these ladies. What, what do they have? What have they found in God to love him that, like that? You can't imitate anyone's calling, but you can imitate the perseverance. You can imitate the perseverance. I didn't plan this, but I need to say this. Because it's part of what I'm saying now. You see, our little one, Salil. Salil has his friend in this church. All of them are grown up, older than me. All of them. Those are his friends. I bought a bag, a church bag for him. He made sure that there is always the Bible and the telephone number of those friends. And he called them, my friends. He's like this. Now, I look few decades ahead. If God gives me life, what would be in the head of that little man? You'll be thinking about those ladies. They taught me how to pray. I spent time with them. I heard them praying. That's what we're talking about here. Passing on the baton in a relayed race. Okay, I was right. This will take two or three sessions because we're going to stop there. Friends, I'm just stopping there. We'll have three sessions for this. We go as the Lord leads us. He knows best. But salvation belongs to our gods. We can't escape that. We can't make it. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. For there's no other way. However nice you think you are, there's no other way. Only by the sole merit of the blood of Jesus Christ. His finished salvific, that's how it's called, work on the cross. Salvation belongs. Sister will come and lead us. Sing from your heart. And as we're singing that, be praying to the Lord. Make sure that you put things right with God. You surrender to God your life before it's too late.